the Workforce Connections podcast, where we discuss workforce development in Southern Nevada. Here's your host. Welcome to another edition of the WC Podcast. I'm your host for today, Malik M.L. Williams, and I'm very happy to be here with my two very special guests, Carolyn Willis and Michael D. Hollis. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Thank Thank you you for having us. All right. Glad to have you here. So let's start out by just getting to know who you are and your roles just a little bit. Michael, why don't we go ahead and start with you. Tell us who you are, what agency you work for, and what your work is like in the community. So my name is Michael D. Hollis. I'm the program director at Foundation for an Independent Tomorrow, fit for short, because that's a mouthful. And we are pretty much a workforce development program here, serving the reentry population in Las Vegas. And my primary job is to oversee the whole program. We have a lot of individuals coming through our doors every day um, at the lowest point in their lives, and we're able to build them back up, motivate them, empower them, encourage them, and get them on the right track to success. Wonderful. All right. Thank you. And Carolyn? Hi, my name is Carolyn Willis. I'm a program manager at Hope for Prisoners, and we are also a workforce development program where we work with individuals that have been incarcerated, either post-release or pre-release. Once they're in the community, we provide vocational training and supportive service assistance to those clients. As a program manager, I oversee the entire program. I also create and develop and implement the programmatic pieces that we utilize with our clients. Wonderful. Okay, so we've got two very influential people here working in the workforce system and in particular working with reentry populations, people who are looking for second chances in our communities. And as we're recording this, this is April, which is Second Chance Month. So I'd love to hear a little bit more from both of you about what it is that your agencies do working with these populations, how you help to give people those second chances and the second opportunity to go to work and become a really fulfilled and fulfilling member of the community. So let's start with you, Carolyn. So when we work with our clients, we look at what their challenges are and our responsibility is to try to alleviate those challenges as they reintegrate into the community. So for most of our clients, that might be employment. There might be an employment barrier, a housing barrier. And as a practitioner, we provide those services to ensure that those barriers don't become a challenge. And when we're able to alleviate those challenges, that's when we see our clients being able to reintegrate into the community successfully and be a part of the community that they were once in. All right. Wonderful. And Michael, what about FIT? So I always tell the staff, it's not hard work, it's hard work. And you, number one, have to have a heart to serve. So we meet the clients right where they are. I even tell the staff, like, forget all the program stuff. Individuals are coming to us and souls are coming through our doors at the lowest point. So we have to meet them right where they are and see what they need. Um, We do a whole biopsychosocial assessment. So we're addressing everything just to get them right on the right track. And it could be different things from resume to mental health issues to substance abuse. So we're going to address all those issues before we focus on training. I always think of Maslow's hierarchy of needs, shelter first, and then everything else. So whatever it is that we need to address first, we're going to do that up front to make sure the client is successful. All right. I love what you said about it. it's not hard work, it's heart work. That's that's something that I think a lot of us could take to heart as we're working in these communities. In both of your agencies, you have a lot of resources that you rely on to help your clients and help the people that come to you looking for help. 
get back to work, get back into communities. And I know you both have great facilities. Hope is in a brand new facility. Fit has a wonderful facility. So, Michael, let's start with you this time. and Tell us a little bit about the Center for Academic Excellence, I believe it's called. Standards for Excellence. Standards for Excellence. Thank you. Standards for Excellence. Tell us about that that organization and tell us about that facility that you have right there with you. So what makes Fit unique, um, our founder and CEO, she has two nonprofits. So pretty much Standards of Excellence is our sister property and it is a training school. So it is located upstairs from Fit, a complete different program director and everything. And I consider ourselves a one-stop shop to where if clients want trainings that's in high demand, they could do it right there on site. And we offer CDL that, as you see, is in complete high demand right now, um, phlebotomy, CNA, automotive technology, warehouse logistics, and associate training. And with all those trainings, a lot of times in their externship, employers are picking them up already. So we have partnered with several wonderful agencies for automotive, Finley Automotive, the Valley Health System, for phlebotomy, a few nursing homes for the CNA. So the clients, once they complete training, they are getting right into that employment field, which I think is wonderful. Great. So you're getting those in-demand skills, helping them get jobs right away. That's wonderful. Right away. And that's what makes that school so successful. And it's right upstairs. So we already have a great partnership. Right there in the same building. Absolutely. Excellent. Okay. And Carolyn, we're talking about buildings. Hope has just moved into a new facility right over on Rancho. So what kind of opportunities is this new facility affording you all? So Hope for Prisoners was birthed from our CEO, John Ponder's experience with navigating reentry. And in moving to a new facility, we're able to afford our clients the opportunity to really explore and experience some of the services that we're able to provide. For instance, the Billy Walters Center for Excellence provides the opportunity for clients to utilize our computer labs. It also provides enough space for us to collaborate with our partners within the community and create a one-stop shop for our clients. And we've found within the reentry experience, that's one of the most important things. Having all the services that a client needs under one roof, it alleviates the challenge that they have to navigate from system to system. So within our facility, we have embedded parole and probation officers that are there to serve the clients that we work with. We also have community partners that are actually housed in our facility. For instance, we have CSN that's there, and we also have the Clark County Library. So having this great facility, because it's very beautiful, allows us the opportunity to really be able to serve our clients from a holistic perspective. Wonderful. That's a, that's a lot of resources, and I'm getting the theme from both of you all that having all those things in one place really makes a difference for the clients that you see and having them come in to be able to get what they need without having to run all over town and Absolutely. go to a bunch of different places, right? Yes. You both talked about the great resources you have available for folks who are coming back to the community and what in the workforce system we sometimes call alternative labor pools. The, the people that employers don't always necessarily go to as first choice when they're thinking about hiring people. So I know that there are many challenges that people coming back to the community and re-entering our communities face. What are some of the biggest challenges that you've seen and that you address? Uh, Let's start with you, Michael. 
I would definitely say I have two that come to mind, but for sure the pandemic. And that staff and participants, especially the mental health aspect of it, you have individuals who have been incarcerated. You know, when they went in first, their mother was here. Now they got out, the mother is gone due to the pandemic. So you have to address that, the whole grieving process and stuff, and also lack of skills to where people want to work, but they just don't know how to do it or they don't have the credentials or skills behind it. And I always tell individuals that a job and a career is two different things. And we see inflation in our every, everyday society right now. To go to 7-Eleven and get an $11 or $12 an hour job, you're going to be working and your bills are going to exceed your paycheck. So we need to put people in self-sufficient career fields that's going to pay a good wage for them to not have to worry about public assistance or borrowing money from loan companies and things like that. So I would definitely say the pandemic and lack of skills for individuals coming to our building. Mm, yeah, absolutely. And getting people connected to not just jobs, but careers. Absolutely. Will help them sustain themselves long term. And not go back. And not go back. Yes, right. <laughs> Carolyn, what about you? What kind of what are some of the biggest challenges you see? So I would agree with with Michael on both uh, of the challenges that he identified. But in my experience, I've also uh, identified different, uh, sorry, different challenges. For instance, housing in, is one of the major barriers mm. that most of our clients have. We have to recognize that in order for us to have someone succeed, we have to make sure that we're providing the basic necessity, which is housing, which gives them a level of safety within the community. And that allows the clients to work on additional challenges as well. I have also, in my experience, encountered the human aspect of reentry, I call it, so to speak, where individuals come home and they've lost their agency, their human agency. They are required to reintegrate into a community that oftentimes they don't feel like they're accepted in that community. So it creates a level of challenge where you're, you're telling them, yes, we're giving you a second chance, but within themselves, they don't feel like they deserve that second chance or they don't know how to grasp that second chance. So what we've done within our organization, and I often tell my staff, we have to focus on the humanness when it comes to assisting individuals to re-enter. And that might mean giving them a choice, for instance, teaching them how to choose. Sometimes clients don't know how to choose because they've been incarcerated for so long. So all their choices have been made for them. So now they're in the community and we expect them to make a choice when they can't. So we work on reestablishing their roles as well and letting them know that they're accepted within the community. We assist them with creating new networks so they don't have to go back to the old lifestyle. So besides just the employment piece, like Michael said, and uh, the issues with the pandemic and all that, it's also important to look at the basic needs of a person. Everybody wants to be accepted. Everybody wants to be belong and everybody wants to, everyone wants to know what their role within the community is and be able to walk out that role. Mm, wonderful. Yeah, absolutely. Addressing the humanness of the person. And it's so important to make sure that we're talking about the invisible needs of mm -hmm. these people, right? Yes. Not just that we're looking at, oh, okay, we can connect you, get you a job interview, mm -hmm. help you with a resume. Those things are important, yes. but making sure that we're addressing the whole person. Absolutely. Wonderful. Yes. Well, I really want to thank you for sharing so much information about your agencies. Is there anything else that 
we haven't talked about today that you would like to share with us? And I'm going to come to you first this time, Carolyn. Uh, I just wanted to, you know, highlight the importance of the month of second chances, the fact that it brings awareness to individuals that are in need of a second chance. You know, sometimes it's a third, fourth chance, but just having within our community here in Las Vegas, having the opportunity to be able to serve the population that we work with, it's incredible. You know, it gives us the opportunity to change not just the person's trajectory from going in and out of prison, but their entire life. And when we change their lives, the lives around them automatically change. And that is one of the important things and, you know, one of the reasons why I really love working with my organization. It's because we try to bring, or we bring those individuals in and we give them a place that they can feel welcome, you know, a family that they can call their own. And it allows them to be able to walk into that second chance that we have created as a community, as a society for these clients. And I also wanted to add as, you know, a part of this month of second chances, Hope for Prisoners, we're doing several different events. For instance, this Friday, April 15th, we'll be having our graduation at Metro headquarters We'll also be having a huddle in the park where our clients and their families and community partners are able to, and mentors as well, are able to come together and just have a moment of relaxation and fun. And towards the end of the month, on the 20th, we'll be having a second chance hiring event where our community partners will be uh, coming to working with our clients to secure employment. And also the end of the month, we'll be having a dinner just to celebrate and, you know, highlight the month of second chances. Wonderful. So second chance month, you will have a lot. Second, third, fourth, fifth chances, yes. <laughs> a whole lot going on this month. Yes. That's wonderful, though. I, lo I love hearing that you are really dealing with not just bringing the person back into the community, but bringing people into communities and transforming communities through the work that you do with them. Michael, what about you? Anything else you'd like to share with us? I just make sure people know that FIT is a resource for the community. And I tell people, because they call my phone all the time, like, how do I qualify and stuff? Just bring yourself down to the building because we got a dedicated staff. I love my staff. Shout out to the FIT staff, wherever the camera is. <laughs> um, I pretty much hired everyone on the staff, and it is individuals that come in with boots on the ground, and they do the work for the community. And that is our purpose. Everyone has a purpose in this life. So just letting the community know that we are there for them, uh, whatever they need. Um, we have a lot of things going on at the building right now for Second Chance Month. We have some food trucks out. We've been doing breakfast for the clients, lunches. Um, some local ele elected officials are stopping by, speak to the group. So they can stop in. We have an information desk, um, get, it, get some information on what's going on in the building, also, we're located in a good area, like Mina Martin Luther King. So that's a prime area. It is an area of need, has always been. So if they are in the area, just, just stop on in. We're here for the community. Wonderful. Being for the community, being in the community, connected to the community, right. feeding the community. I love that. Uh, and it's so important to know that you know, sometimes just getting people to take the first step, just come down and that's all you need to commit to right there. And then you can go from there. Wonderful. Well, thank you both so much for being here today. I appreciate it. And that's it for this episode of the WC Podcast. We hope to see you again next time. Be safe out there.